Shalom. This is Mark Robinson, Executive Director of Jewish Awareness Ministries. Welcome to Jewish Awareness Podcast, a teaching ministry of Jewish Awareness Ministries. On Friday nights at our headquarters, we host a Bible study. Generally, we do verse-by-verse studies of different books of the Bible. Through the years, these studies have looked at the books of Isaiah, Ezekiel, John, and Hebrews. At times, we will have studies devoted to Jewish cultural events or issues relating to Israel and prophecy. These studies can be viewed live through the JAM Facebook live stream platform on Fridays. If you have questions or would like additional information, go to our website, jewishawareness.org. Email us at office at jewishawareness.org or call us at 919-275-4477. This information will be repeated at the end of the podcast. Enjoy the Bible study. Now my goal for tonight, we looked at John 1.1. My goal for tonight is to get through the first half of verse 4. So we'll see if we can do that. We will try. Uh, There is so much here. And we'll just, uh, we'll try and see how it goes. We've already looked at Jesus as the Logos of God. Remember those pictures I showed of um, McDonald's and Nike showing that uh, those are the representation of everything that that is. So uh, Jesus is, that's where the word logo comes from. Jesus is the express image of his person, the express image of the Father, uh, and how he is the physical revelation of the Father to the world. Uh, As we move forward in John 1, we will continue to find evidence that Jesus can be none other than God himself. How many of you have ever had conversation with a Jehovah's Witness before? Okay, many of okay, all of you, pretty much. Uh, Alan and April, they're not here right now, but I remember, how many of you have talked to April about her encounters with Jehovah's Witnesses? Uh, you know, they, they sent the bigwigs to her house. So <laughs> she had some conversations with some of the uh, workers, and uh, they were under heavy conviction, and she's, she's been working with them, uh, not caving one bit, but basically preaching to them about the truth, and then they send the bigwig. Uh, anyway. It's an interesting. It's an interesting experience. Uh, if you ever experienced it, I I, I grew up with. Uh, they'd come to my parents' house, and my mom would say, "Everybody hide." <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'd run and hide, and and you'd hear the, you know, and you know they'd be looking, and then they would walk away, and you know. Uh, so I guess I know what some people feel like when I go door to door, and I'm standing at the door, and I see some curtains move. And I know that somebody's in there, but they don't want to talk to me. They probably think I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, which, by the way, okay, you probably don't run into it as much. Uh, maybe you do down here. You ever go door to door? It's important that if you have a tract or gospel literature, if it says such and such Baptist or such and such church or such and such, whatever, wherever you're from, hold it up like this. So that when they look through the door, they see such and such church. And they don't see Kingdom Hall or Watchtower. Uh, 
just a little pointer there. But Jesus is the creator, John 1, 2, and 3, okay? Let's start back in verse 1 to kind of get some, some background. And we'll go ahead into verse 3, okay? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus is the creator. I have some, uh, some references here. I looked this up because the Jehovah's Witnesses, along with a lot of other people, but the Jehovah's Witnesses primarily are the ones I think of, that claim the name of Christ, and yet they do not believe that he is God. They do not believe that he is the creator uh, in the truest form of the uh, word. Listen to this. This is from JW.org, if you ever <laughs> were curious, okay? God created Jesus before creating Adam. In fact, God created Jesus and then used him to make everything else, including the angels. That is why the Bible calls Jesus the firstborn of all creation by God. And then it says, read Colossians 1, 15 and 16. We're going to do that tonight. We're going to look at that. Uh, we're going to look at some of these things. I just felt led to go in this direction. Uh, but as we look at Jesus as the creator, okay? So keep your finger in John 1. and Flip over to the book of Colossians. Now, what is the most important thing? I, I haven't been in Mark's Bible studies enough to know, you know, what he says or how he says it in this particular subject. But what's one of the most important things when you study the Bible? It starts with a C. Context. Absolutely. And if you're looking at a verse in the Bible... The quickest way to get immediate context is to what? Yes, to look at the verses that are right next to the verse that you're looking at. Yes. So we're going to look. I can't, I'm not good at multitasking. I can't talk and turn at the same time. <laughs> okay. Go eat popcorn. You ever hear that one? Gentile, oh, okay. That must be the one that they use in here. Gentiles eat pork chops. There you go. Okay, so we're going to chops. We're going to Colossians. Okay, Colossians 1. Now let's start with verses 15 and 16 because that's what they instruct us to read, okay? Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. So you could read this JW statement and you can think, huh, okay. Um, I'm going to share something with you. The word uh, firstborn, okay, the word firstborn in verse 15 literally has the idea of uh, originator. Or beginning. Um, there's some interesting things about this word, firstborn, and I would like to show them to you. Um, keep your you got a finger in, in John. How many fingers do you have? Okay, you got a finger in John. Okay, put a finger in Colossians because we will be back to look at the verses that immediately uh, 
come after this one. But turn to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Okay. We find this same word used in Revelation chapter 3. Or I'm sorry. I gave you the wrong the wrong word there. Okay. But Revelation chapter uh, 3 verse 14. This is kind of a a similar verse. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Okay? And this is another one that they, that they use. But this word, okay, not the firstborn, but the word beginning in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. The word beginning of, crea- of the creation of God is the word origin. Okay? Or uh, also known as um, the the kind of the cause. Okay, the, he was the creator, the originator of creation. Not that he was the first that was created. Nowhere do we find that in Scripture. Now, flip back to Colossians chapter one. Let's continue down. Okay. The firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created. So on and so forth. Go to verse seventeen. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Now, this word firstborn in verse 15 appears again in verse 18. And it gives us the context. Uh, Let's look at verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, also originator, that same exact word in Revelation 3.14, beginning, originator, the firstborn from the dead. When you see firstborn, uh, although it is used of his birth, in Scripture, primarily in the epistles, it is used to speak of his resurrection. He was not the first thing created because he was not created. He is the creator himself. But in, it's interesting, just a few verses after, we find the context in which he is the firstborn of every creature. Now, was, and this is something you need to understand. There was people raised from the dead, was there not, before Jesus? Okay, there was, in the Old Testament and in the New, there was Lazarus. What is the big deal about Jesus' resurrection that separates it from all others that have ever been brought back from the dead? Exactly. He was the first to truly be raised from the dead to die no more. That is how he is the firstborn of every creature. He's the first one. He's the firstborn from the dead. And you know that verse all the way back in Psalms when it says, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee? Was he referring to Jesus in a manger? No, actually he was not. Turn to Acts 13. And I apologize for all this flipping around. But turn to Acts 13. Oh, okay. All right. You know, I've, I, I've, had, I've had messages before where I've had so many verses to turn to that I decided to do a sword drill on every single one of them. <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Acts 13 and verse number 33. Okay, this is Paul talking here. And he's, he's talking uh, in verse number 33. Three, okay, about the prophecies about Jesus, about basically their history. Uh, 
back in verse 23, it says, If this man seed hath God according to his promise, raised unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. Then verse 33, it says, God hath fulfilled the same unto their children, and that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And as concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption, he said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. In its context, okay, when it says, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, it's speaking of his resurrection from the dead. According to scripture, that is the context. Jesus is the firstborn, the first begotten from the dead. He is the firstborn of every creature. He is not a created being that also God used to create. He is the creator. He is Jehovah. And I mentioned before, Jeremiah, I believe it's chapter 23 and verse 6. I hope I'm right there. Um, but it says uh, that Jesus' name, the Messiah's name, would be called Jehovah Tzadiknu. He would be called the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Uh, many, many, many passages uh, that go into that detail. And we will cover those as we go through the book of John because almost every single chapter in John deals with that subject. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses attempt to remove Jesus' deity from John 1.1, falsely claiming that the Word was a God and that Jesus is a created being. Okay, do you still have a finger in John? Okay. The last phrase of John 1, 1 where it says, and the word was God, they like to insert a little letter A in there. Okay. And it's simply not there. In Greek, there is no indefinite article. It's simply tying it back to the very beginning. The word was with God and the word was God. Listen to this explanation from JW.org. <clears throat> The earliest translations of the Christian Greek scriptures were into Syriac, Latin, and Coptic. The this, Sahedic this, uh, Coptic translation uses an indefinite article with the word God in the final part of John 1.1. Thus, when rendered into modern English, the translation reads, and the word was a God. Evidently, those ancient translators realized that John's words recorded at John 1.1 did not mean that Jesus was to be identified as Almighty God. The word was a God, not Almighty God. They go to some Syriac translation in order to, you know, give some validity to their desire to abolish Jesus' deity. It's like a last-ditch attempt with bad scholarship, with bad interpretation of Scripture, and throwing out all the rest of the Bible, including John chapter 1, verse 3, which says nothing that was made was made without him. I have something to show you. <clears throat> Let's do a little experiment. Okay, we have two buckets. Okay, make sure I get the right one. Okay, created and not created. It's that simple. John chapter 1, verse 3 all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Let me flip this up here. Okay, let's look at a couple, different, a couple different items. We'll kind of do the test here, okay? Okay, cats. I'm not cutting off my head there, so that's good. Cats, were they created or not created? Okay, stars? Okay, how about grass? 
Coffee? Well, the coffee beans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank God for coffee. Whales. Okay. Even whales were created. Granite. God didn't create the countertops necessarily, but he created the material. And we make from that our granite countertops. Angels. Angels. Were they created or, or not? Jellyfish. I just threw that in there. Okay. Everything was made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jehovah's Witnesses want to do this. That is not possible. It's very simple according to Scripture. There's only one that is not created, and that is the Creator, God himself, who exists in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So let's just try and remember that. And uh, kind of silly, kind of incredibly oversimplified, but that's because it's so simple. You cannot be the creator and the created at the same time. They want to separate Jesus from God, and that, that just does not happen. Just this week I was uh, talking with a buddy of mine in the gym, a Christian guy, and he said, uh, that, uh, he told a Jehovah's Witness that in Revelation when they would fell down and worship him. He was really ecstatic about that. And I thought, well, you know what? I've never thought of that particular one myself. Mm. I, I always thought about the one of, wherefore being in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be made equal with God. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. And you know what? That was a verse that, believe it or not, I saw on the JW website. Philippians 2.6, where it says, God also hath highly exalted him. They said, it, well, if he is God, then how can he possibly be highly exalted? They, they changed the translation. See, they changed, they changed it from, God hath highly exalted him, or lifted him up, to God hath exalted him. Or I, I don't even know how they said it, but somehow they try and twist that verse around to say, how can God exalt God even higher than God already is exalted? But in the scriptures, we find similar passages like God saying that he has exalted his word above all his name. Okay. Yeah, and which Jesus is the living word. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, Really? Who knows? Anybody have a New World Translation in here? Hope not. Okay. Okay. Well, we're going to have Revelation. Uh, we're going to have that verse in there. Okay. Um, this is ludicrous. There are so many problems with this. We don't have time to look at them all. I included just a small list of verses from solely the book of John, okay? John 1.3, Jesus was not created. Um, John 10.30, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. The Jews understood, understood what he was talking about. So much so that they said, this is blasphemy, we're going to kill you. Um, 
that he would claim that he and his father, whom they knew he was speaking of the creator, the God of Israel, as his father. Um, John 14, 9, um, Jesus said that if we've seen him, we've seen the father. And he said to Philip, have you, have you been so long with me and you, and you don't you know, realize this, that if you've seen me, you've seen the father? John 8, 58, Jesus says, before Abraham was, I am. Now, if Jesus is just some created God, that uh, little g, that, 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 um, that God created, um, he is not the self-existent one. He is not from everlasting. He's from some point in time. And yet he is from eternity past. That's why he could say before Abraham was, I am. Uh, Mark was talking before about, uh, I'm going to have a, my, my, my brain is going to have a glitch here, but he was talking about how we're in the future, going to the present, going to the past, or something. I don't really remember. But God is always in the present. Um, that's why it says in the Bible that a day is as a thousand years with the Lord, and a thousand years is one day. It's, it, it doesn't matter. He's seen it all, all at once. He's forever in the present. Uh, if Jesus was created, he would not have that attribute. Um, Jesus could just say, before Abraham was, I was, but he didn't. And that ties right back to the book of Exodus, where Moses says, who should I say to the children of Israel has sent me? What is your name? He says, tell them that I am, that I am, hath sent you, uh, sent you to, to them. Um, John 15, 24 Let's actually, let's turn there. Let's flip over a couple of words, a couple of passages, sorry. To John chapter 15 and verse number 24. Um, this is interesting. Uh, let's, let's look at verse 23, okay? John 15, 23. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. How did they see his father? Because they saw him. In the same way that Jesus told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. Uh, absolutely. Turn over to John 20. The Jehovah's Witnesses like to change this one around too. Uh, John 20, in verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came at the resurrection. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, everybody, 
my Lord and my God. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Do you know what they want to do with that verse? They want it to be, we'll just pretend here, okay? You're, you're, you're Jesus, and I feel the print of the nails in your hands, and thrust my hand into your side, and I say, my Lord and my God. That's what they want you to do. They want you to think he's saying, my Lord to Jesus, and my God to just, you know. And yet he is talking to Jesus specifically and only, and he says, my Lord and my God. Jesus does not rebuke him because it is true. Uh, you have to jump through all kinds of hoops to try and get around the fact that Jesus is God. In fact, on their own website, they say that Jesus never claimed to be God. <sighs> Interesting. Um, I got a verse for them. Okay, turn back a couple pages to John chapter 8. This is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. The whole chapter, actually, uh, is just full of, uh, of amazing doctrine and truth, um, specifically regarding Jesus and his conversations with the Jews, with his brethren. John chapter 8, let's look at verse 43, okay? Um, okay. Actually, go back up to verse 42. Jesus saith unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Okay? He goes down a couple more verses. Skip down to verse 47. He says, He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Do you hear what he just said? Within the span of four verses, okay, five verses, verse 43 to verse 47, they're his words. Verse 47, he says, you can't hear them. You can't hear God's words because you're not of God. Jesus just in that short passage to his audience said that he was God. He was not speaking to them, quoting from the Hebrew scriptures. He was speaking to them just, as plain as I am to you. And he says that what he was speaking was God's words because he's God. Um, interesting. Um, and then a couple short verses later is when he says, before Abraham was, I am. Uh, if you can't see it in the scripture, you're not looking. And all we've looked at is not even an exhaustive list of the times in the book of John that this has occurred. Um, okay. 46B. Yeah. Which of you convinceth me of sin? Or which of you can say I have sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? Yeah. True. Um, absolutely. I mean, you can tell somebody till you're blue in the face what this book says, 
And if they don't want to hear it, they'll choose not to believe. They'll choose not to, you know. In Jesus' day, they stopped their ears, you know. They didn't like what he had to say. That's why he says that, uh, you know, if you're telling somebody the truth, if you're telling somebody the, my word, if you're telling somebody the gospel, don't take offense and think that they hate you. They hated me before they hated you. And they have not refused you, but they have refused me. So take heart whenever somebody does this to you. It's not you. It's Jesus that they're seeing in you that they just don't want to listen. No idea. I'm not. I've never, I've never noticed that. I, I, I can't give you an answer. I don't know. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that. Now, let's look at a couple of these verses that I have at the bottom of the page here. Just kind of humoring their accusation that God created another God, okay? Where it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And they like to insert the letter A in there. That, and the Word was a God. Okay, let's look, let, let's look at Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. See now that I, even I am he, and there is no God with me. Okay, God the Creator plainly states that there is no other God at all, period. Uh, 1 Kings 8.23, and he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth beneath, who keepest covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart. The Jehovah's Witnesses would like to say, except Jesus, he is a God that is with you. No, Jesus is this same God. Um, 2 Chronicles 6.14 and so the Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven. Okay, that's a kind of a uh, parallel verse to 1 Kings 8.23. Now, I love this one. Isaiah 43.10. Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that ye may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. None. Zero. Um... I wanted to make a couple of uh, bumper stickers. I designed a, a, a couple of them um, just because I'm so fed up with this whole coexist movement. You know, you see all these bumper stickers that say coexist. Uh, I came up with a couple, and I could, I could show you guys afterwards if you want. But um, it says, one true God. And the word true, it has a cross with a star of David behind it. One true God. And there's a couple of verses from Isaiah that I decided to use. Uh, one of them, and this is the one that I don't think will ever make it into a bumper sticker, except for maybe Bob, maybe he would like it. Uh, but it says, go and cry unto the gods which ye have chosen and see if they will deliver you in your time of tribulation. Um, I don't think that would go over too well with the you know, ecumenical crowd. Um, and then there's another one that says, I am God and there is none else, a just God and a savior, and there is none else. Um, there is no other God. 
chapter 44, verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, uh, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and am the last, and beside me there is no God. There is no God beside him. Uh, that's why, you know, in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He is one. Um, but there's a unity in that. Jesus is not another God. He is Jehovah in the flesh. Um, yeah. Um, there is no God beside me. There is none else. There is no God other than him. Um, and so, back to John chapter 1. Reading through these verses again, just for review, verses 2 and 3. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Do we have any questions or comments before we move on to verse 4? No? Okay. Okay, I'm going to teach you, I'm going to teach you a Hebrew word. Okay? And this word is chai. It's like you're saying hi, but you're clearing your throat at the same time. Okay? Chai. Okay? That's the Hebrew word for life. Chai. Okay? Um, and uh, when it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Next time I get to teach, I'm going to talk about Jesus being the light of men. Okay? As we go into verses 4 and 5. Um, but the first half of verse 4 is what I want to focus on. Um, in the remainder of the time that we have left here. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, what does, what does the Bible mean when it talks about life and death? Um, is it talking about just simply having a pulse? I mean, there's so, much, there's so much discrepancy in the idea of somebody being clinically dead. I mean, those, those laws and those rules and those you know, variables what they would decide if somebody is actually physically dead have changed so much over the years. Uh, I guess it used to be they'd put like a feather on your nose to see if any air come down, came out. And then if, if, if it didn't, you know, they would... Yeah, and they would, they would maybe bury you. Um, I don't know. But nowadays they have all these different determinations and factors and, you know, if somebody is on life support, or if somebody is, quote-unquote, brought back from the dead, okay? Um, which is why I think, uh, and I know Mark would agree with me, a lot of these experiences, you know, 90 minutes in heaven, heaven is real, all those kind of things, you can't trust those. You can't trust those. I mean, you got to look at what the scripture says. Um, but anyway, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. Spiritual death, I don't believe, occurs multiple times. Okay, When somebody has their soul separate from their body, um, I believe that uh, that is the definition, the biblical definition of death, but there is, there's so much more to it than that. We think somebody's either breathing and alive, or they're not. 
but the Hebrew word, okay, and if you look throughout the Bible, uh, you'll realize that there's so much more to it. Turn to Deuteronomy 30. We're done with uh, the book of John for now. We're going to be looking at Deuteronomy 30 for the rest of the evening here. But Moses is speaking to the children of Israel about following the law of God, about following God's word. And in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, okay, Moses says this, and by the way, well here, let's read it. See, I have set before thee this day life and good, death and evil. There's a structure in the Old Testament known as a Hebrew parallelism where two different words or two different phrases would be used and it would bring them both together. Moses isn't holding before them four things. He's not holding before them life and good and death and evil. He's holding before them life and good, death and evil. Okay? Moses is saying they're parallel. Okay? Um, skip down to verse number 19. I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Okay? In verse number 19, life and death, life is equated with blessing and death is equated with cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live. Um, <laughs> look at this, verse 20. That thou mayest love the Lord thy God and that thou mayest obey his voice and that thou mayest cleave unto him for he is thy life and the length of thy days that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord swore unto thy fathers to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. Interesting. Life is more than having a heartbeat because guess what? When we're born into this world, we may be physically alive but are we spiritually alive? No. Okay? So God has a different definition of death than the medical professionals of the day. He has a different definition of life than the medical professionals of the day. Turn over to Genesis. Uh, and I believe this is where we're going to end. Okay? Um, Genesis. Chapter number 2. Um, amazing, amazing chapter. But in Genesis chapter 2, in verse number 16, uh, we find God's commandment to Adam. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Or, as the Hebrew, dying thou shalt die. Okay? Now, when Adam and Eve ate of that fruit, I know some people believe it to be a grape. <laughs> I don't know where they get that from. <laughs> Whatever you think it is, I like to throw a wrench in the mix and say it was a banana. Who knows? Uh, I, I'm allergic to bananas, so I'm sticking to that one. Uh, <laughs> who knows? 
<laughs> okay. Uh, uh, anyway, when he ate of that, whatever it was, did he instantly keel over and die? No. In fact, after that, he had Cain and Abel and Seth and, you know, so on and so forth. Genesis 5, 5, one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible, it says, and Adam lived, I believe it's 935 years, and he died. So, I'll ask you once again, did Adam die the instant he ate of that tree? Now God told him, God told him, in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. What in the world was God talking about? I, I, have, I have four views for you, okay? Which, letter A, spiritual death. They died spiritually the instant that they ate. The instant that they disobeyed God, sin entered in, and they were separated from God. Spiritually, they died instantly, okay? That's why all of their children, Cain, Abel, Seth, Dan, Bob, Yvonne, okay, we're Adam and Eve's children. <laughs> we, and you that are watching, we're born spiritually dead because we are Adam's children. That's why Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see God. He cannot see the kingdom of God. You must be born again, he said. Um, born a second time, born from above, born spiritually, or else you're going to spend an eternity continually separated from God in a place of judgment called hell. Um, so, spiritual death, instantly. Uh, letter B, physical death, stressing mortality. You become mortal if you eat of the fruit, okay? Which I believe is also true. Um, they, were, they, they were perfect in the Garden of Eden, okay? They were not created as babies. They were created with the appearance of age. They were created at the prime of the human creation, which I'm told is around age 30. I would say maybe 31, but... Uh, you know, I'm biased against that. <laughs> but, you know, I'd have more hair. Um, but anyway, they were created perfect. But guess what happened the instant that they ate of that fruit? They start to age. Okay? Maybe a gray hair popped out or something. Uh, I, I just thought of this just now. I never thought of this before. But was there any sickness before the fall? I would say it's probable that Adam got a tummy ache, okay? For the first time in all of human history, there was sickness, there was decay, there was mortality. They began to age, they began to die, okay? Um, dying and suffering, yes. And from what I understand, yes. And from what I understand, when we're born, we've already started to die. We've already started that clock. Yeah, yeah. So, um, entropy, you know. We begin to age, we begin to die. Uh, man became mortal. The decaying process, letter C, we already kind of talked about that. And then letter D, uh, the above views all have truth to them, but it is probable that this is speaking of separations from the blessing of Eden, okay? Separation from the presence of God, which ties directly in with spiritual death. Life... In the Hebrew mindset, and I'll, I'll prove this to you as I read a bunch of verses, okay? I have a bunch of, uh, of Bible verses here. But there's an instance over and over in the books of Moses where it talks about judgment against 
sin. And it says over and over again that they would be cut off from Israel. Now, that word cut off can literally mean two things, depending on the context. They can be kind of excommunicated from the community of Israel. Okay? They lose the ability to participate in the worship services. All of those things. But it's also the exact Hebrew word that's used for they're executed. Capital punishment. The two are so parallel because they looked at it as, I might as well be physically dead. And that is why Moses could say, I set before you this day life and death, blessing and cursing. What is, what is life? In the very next verse, verse 20, Moses says, God is your life. Outside of him, there is no life. In Revelation, we're going to look at that. Okay? Absolutely. Um, yeah, it's, it, there's some amazing things about the tree of life in the future. Um, but I want us to understand that life is directly connected with fellowship with God. The blessing of the fullness. Okay, this is my definition of life if you want to write it down, okay? Spiritual life or just life in general in God's eyes. Life is experiencing the fullness of the blessing of God's presence, which you will not experience as an unsaved person. The fullness of the blessing of God's presence. That's, I mean, I, I mentioned last time, a definition for the meaning of life that I, that I, that I like is, is, is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's why we were created. We were created to glorify God. We were created for him, by him and for him. We just read that verse a little bit ago. We were created to glorify God and to enjoy fellowship with him forever. That is why we were created. And how many people live from the cradle to the grave Never experiencing that. Never, ever, ever. Um, and that is the biblical idea of life. Um, in Israelite worship, true life was experienced when one came into the sanctuary. For the Israelite to enter the sanctuary was ent to enter the fullness of life. To enter the sanctuary is to be in the realm of life. To be expelled from the sanctuary was to enter the death realm because you were being cut off from the truest form of life. Now, even then, they couldn't experience it. Even then they couldn't. It was a shadow. There was a veil. It was a poor substitute for the, for the real thing. I mean, the, the, only the high priest, once a year, got to go into the Holy of Holies. Um, that was the closest thing that they had because they were ritually unclean. They were biblically unclean. They were ungodly, undone, unrighteous, and full of sin. And any righteousness that they could bring to the table was filthy rags. So to say that they had life is not exactly true. That was the closest that they got to life. Um, this is why lepers are told to mourn when they are expelled or excommunicated from the fullness of life associated with the normal life in temple worship. Why do you think the Jews are just so overwhelmingly desiring to have that system reinstituted? and why they mourn so heavily and are so emotionally connected with the temple. Because to them, that's their chance to have that fulfillment. Now they're looking for it and they're going to be disappointed. Okay. Um, let's look at some verses. And I'm just going to read these to you uh, for time's sake or else you'd have you know, blisters on your fingers from looking at all these verses. Okay. But I'm going to start with the verse that we just read. 
the first half of, first, of, of John 1.4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. John 3.15, it says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I got news for you. Heaven isn't just going to be existing forever. That's not what it's all about. Um, otherwise, we couldn't possess eternal life right now. You know, because we're just, we're here. But that life that God gives, and we're going to look at it in a minute, is different. It's above and beyond. It is on a spiritual plane. It is different from having a pulse. It's different from having a heartbeat and being able to move a feather with your nose. It is spiritually being connected to God. Spiritually having forgiveness and an open communication with the Lord, having a relationship, having him dwell within you, experiencing the fullness of the blessing of his presence. That's why Moses said, I set before you this day life and death, life and good, death and evil, life and blessing, death and cursing. That's what it meant. It wasn't that, you know, okay, you're, gonna, you're just, you're just going to physically die if you don't do this. Okay, I mean, sure, there was physical judgment as a result of the fall, and there's physical judgment as a result of running from the Lord. But that's not what he was talking about. He's talking about that inner communication with the Lord. Um, in John 3.16, he says you can have that, that fullness of blessing of God's presence forever, starting in this life and continuing on into eternity. Um, John 3.36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life. Do you realize that? That somebody that is not saved and dies and goes on into eternity without accepting Christ, without trusting Christ, without being born again, they will never see life. They will never experience it. They won't even experience a, a, a tiny little tidbit of life without the Son. He that hath the Son uh, shall not see life. He that believeth not, shall, the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Boy, what a, what a contrast. John 4.14, 4, Jesus told the Samaritan woman, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Living water. John 4.36, He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Uh, John 5.24 Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life right now and shall not come into condemnation, future, but is passed from death unto life. Uh, I like that verse. Assurance of salvation, eternal security, past, present, and future all in one verse. Uh, you have everlasting life, you shall not see condemnation, and you are passed from death into life. Um, John 5.26, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. I've got to see if I'm going to go through. might have to skip some of these. And if any of you want this, this list that I have, I can print out some more. Actually, there's a back side of this verse, of this page. Uh, okay, um, Jesus told the Jews, he said, search the scriptures, 
For in them you think you have eternal life, and there are they which testify of me. John 5.40, the very next verse, he says, And you will not come to me that you might have life. This is why it's so amazing that we can be born again. This is so, why it's so amazing that we can have forgiveness and salvation. It's not just being forgiven. It's not just being cleared of our guilt, of our sin, uh, you know, and having that be placed upon God's Son. That's part of it. But there's a whole, there's a whole other uh, side of it. Um, experiencing God's Spirit, experiencing the relationship with God. Um, okay. Um, for the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. John 6, 48, he says, I am that bread of life. Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> uh, okay. The thief cometh not, uh, John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He talks about his, him laying down his life. Um, okay. Here's a good one. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Um, but these things, John 20, 31, but these things are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Is he talking about, you know, you're on that operating table and the thing goes, beep, you know, oh, you need Jesus that you might have life. No. He's talking about people that already have a heartbeat, but they're spiritually dead. And he has come that they might have life. Now, everything that life is, death is a contrast to that. Death is cursing. Death is separation. Death is experiencing evil. Death is experiencing just, you know, loneliness, guilt, sorrow, uh, hopelessness, pain, distress, anguish. And those that go on into eternity without Christ will continue to experience that for all eternity, but in a place that is much less tolerable than here. A place of eternal judgment, separation from God. Um, in Acts 11, verse 18, talking about the Jews that were saved, realizing that Gentiles could be saved as well. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Um, okay. Now, when you think about this definition of life and death, it completely changes the book of Romans. When you look at the book of Romans and when it mentions life and death, eternal life, eternal death. Romans 5.17, For if one, by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Next verse, verse 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all all men unto justification of life. They were made free from sin and they were granted eternal life. They were granted that spiritual life. Uh, verse 21, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to this. Romans 6, 
Verse 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We have new life if we've trusted Christ. Um, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And there's a whole lot more verses. Uh, Colossians 3.3 3 says, Ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then, she, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. And then just uh, a couple more verses. 1 John 5.12 says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's as simple as that. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. As it says in John 1.4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light of men is next time. I don't know when that's going to be. <laughs> okay? So it's kind of building up here. Everything that we talked about that life is, is also described as the light of men. And they kind of go together. Um, I'm going I'm to read four, four or five more verses. Okay? Starting in Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Revelation 21, verse 6, And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Revelation 21, 27, And there shall no wise enter into it anything that defileth. Talking about heaven, okay? The eternal state, where we're going to be forever. There shall no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whosoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. 22 verse 1, He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And then verse 2, In the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, was there the tree of life. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, there was the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Uh, there's a lot there that we're not going to go into right now. All we need to realize is that we have life. It's the most important thing. And that's why, if you... I, I went to a couple of different... Uh, funerals at different times and if you've been to a funeral of somebody that's not saved or that they didn't know was saved you go and you see that casket and you basically know that you you know you're not sure if you're going to see that person again and it's kind of this tension okay difficulty but if you've been to a funeral of somebody who you knew was saved Death has no victory. There's no sting. Sure, it hurts, but that person, although their body may no longer have physical life in it, their life never ended. They're with the Lord. Um, and Jesus is 
the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And in him was life, and that life is the light of men. So I guess that's where I'm going to leave it um, before we pick it up next time. Does anybody have any questions or comments or discussion? Yeah, there's a, there's a verse that comes to mind where Paul was talking to some Gentiles, and he says, you were in time past uh, without hope in the world, you know, and that's all I can think of. So thank the Lord for, for who Jesus is and what he's done for us, and that not only that we've been saved and we can look into this book and we can read about it, but that we can walk with him personally. We could talk with him. Yes. Amen. Okay, well, we'll go ahead and close in a word of prayer, and then we'll be dismissed. Thank you, Lord, so much for everything. Shalom. This is Mark Robinson, Executive Director of Jewish Awareness Ministries, thanking you for listening to our Bible study. These Jewish Awareness Podcasts are a teaching ministry of Jewish Awareness Ministries. If you have questions about the study that you just listened to, or would like additional information, go to our website, jewishawareness.org, email us at office at jewishawareness.org, or call us at 919-275-4433. Shalom.